0: let's begin with prayer to our King God we ask that right now you would calm our souls calm our anxieties our fears this life is filled with so many difficulties so many trials so much suffering and we get distracted We lose hope. Would you now restore us, God, by these promises in your word that you will carry us to the end? Jesus, you will present us faithful before the Father. God, give us your spirit that I could speak your words of hope and that this church could hear and be encouraged and be empowered to be faithful until the end. Amen. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to infiltrate the embassy, obtain the documents, and get the ambassadors to safety. Thus started many Mission Impossible TV shows and movies. Every one of these missions began with this recording outlining the task that the agent was called to and the possible dangers they may face. The mission seemed impossible. The agent could lose his life. And because of the highly sensitive information involved in the mission, the recording would warn the agent, as always, should you or any of your force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck. And then as the agent walks away, the recorder goes up spontaneously in the flame. The life of a secret agent is a dangerous and lonely experience nobody can know who you really are you can't get close to anybody if you're caught your superiors will deny any knowledge of you you need to keep what is told to you in secret a secret every single mission could be life threatening and you can sense in these scenes the danger that awaits the seriousness of the call But today from our text, I want us to realize that all of us have been called to what seems to be an impossible mission. We ordinary Christians are given a dangerous mission that demands seriousness. Jake told us last week that we are all called to take this authority from Jesus and go out and complete his mission to proclaim the coming kingdom. This call is not just for the disciples, it extends to us as well. We have the same task to go into the world and call people to repentance and faith in Christ because his kingdom is at hand. And we have the joy to represent this kingdom in our fellowship, in the church, in how we love and care for one another, which in so many ways, especially with you guys, is a delightful experience. But we should also see today that This is a dangerous mission. We are handed many secrets. We are told to be careful with whom we associate. It could even cost us our lives. But unlike the secretary of the impossible mission force, he promises to be with us every step of the way. He will claim allegiance to us when we make his secrets known, and he will bring justice for those who are harmed on his mission. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 verses 16 to 33 and we will listen to the details of this dangerous mission from our Lord, our commander Jesus. Matthew chapter 10 verses 16 to 33. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing that is covered, nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light what you hear whispered. Proclaim on the housetops and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jake reminded us last week that every single one of us is called to be a messenger of Christ's kingdom. Every believer must be on mission to proclaim the gospel of the coming kingdom to our neighbors and our coworkers, our friends and our family. But if you're anything like me, When you hear that you are called on this mission, if you simply hear the word evangelism, you might begin to already be tensing up with doubts floating through your heart and all these questions and fears in your mind. Can I do it? How how can I do it? I'm nobody special. This might be really difficult. I I don't even know what I'm going to say. What if I mess up and say something foolish? What if... What if my friends or family even reject me or people hurt me? But if you're in this boat with me, you're in good company because the disciples had the same fears. They had these same types of questions, but we also have the same good king as our guide to walk through us with walk with us through these trials. So Jesus gives this command to the disciples, tells them, I am sending you out, and he outlines the mission for them and gives them encouragement for the way. And the main thing he'll have us take away from this warning and these encouragements is not to be afraid of this dangerous calling, because God is with us. That is our main idea this morning. Do not fear this dangerous calling, for God is with you. As agents receiving our commissioning orders, we're going to receive this text as well in three parts. First, we'll look at the dangers that we might encounter along the way in verses 16 to 23. And then we need to be reminded of our role, who we are in Christ in verses 24 and 25. And finally, we'll see the motivation to endure, to stay faithful to the task in verses 26 through 33. So first, the danger. Second, your role. And finally, your motivation. So let's begin with a layout of the land the dangers of this mission field in verses 16 through 23. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious for how you are to speak or what you are to say, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So the first thing you might notice from this text is the animal imagery that Jesus uses for his disciples right away in verse 16. He uses these animals to describe the type of character that he wants his disciples to have. He says he's sending them as sheep among wolves. Sheep are helpless, even careless creatures who wander about aimlessly, Without any care of where they're going, they'll wander right into danger. And Jesus says, there are wolves out there. So don't, you, even though you are sheep, don't be like sheep. Be wise like a serpent. He tells them to be like snakes. Snakes are considered to be crafty, cunning creatures, knowing when to fight and more likely when to run away, when to flee. So he says, don't be stupid like a sheep. Even though you are one, be wise like a serpent. Because snakes, though, have a bit of a negative connotation, he has to balance that out with another image. We know, we we feel like snakes are evil somehow. probably goes all the way back to the garden where Satan was represented as a snake. In his cunning wisdom, he deceived Adam and Eve. And so Jesus adds one more image to balance out this negative imagery. Be cunning like a serpent, yes, but also be pure and innocent like a dove. These images describe the character of someone, one of Jesus' agents, going out on this mission. It is a vital character for this task. We must be sheep in need of constant direction and protection. We are, we are serpents who know when it's right to fight, when it's right to engage, and when we must flee the circumstances as verse 23 says and we are doves who maintain gentleness peace and purity through the entire mission this is vital because this mission that he is sending them on is going to bring some steep challenges that will test their character and now we can see in verse 17 what the primary obstacle that they are about to face is men and all the ladies say amen right Really, the word doesn't mean strictly men, but mankind, people. Everywhere they go, people are a potential threat. They're going to hand the disciples over to courts and synagogues, governors and kings. He warns them that they're going to be arrested and beaten simply for saying Jesus has authority on earth. They're going to be jailed and killed for saying that they have surrendered their lives to this authority instead of theirs. And verses 21 and 22 tell us that even their own children and parents, people in their own household, are going to be the ones who hand them over to these government and religious authorities. Their secret is not safe anywhere, even in their own homes. Everywhere that they go, there's this threat that they could get in trouble, that they will be dragged out of their homes and forced to stand in front of rulers and kings and governors, beaten in front of them all, and forced to speak, explain themselves who this Jesus is, publicly defend the authority of Christ. But Jesus says, this is a good thing. What an opportunity. At the end of verse 18, he tells us that this is an opportunity to witness before them and the nations. When you get that opportunity, be bold. Open your mouth and proclaim how great Christ is. Don't shrink back. Don't fear. Don't let the doubts and the questions come out of your mouth. Don't worry about what you're going to say. He says in verse 20, the Spirit will give you just the right words for what you need to say in that moment. In verse 19, he said, do not be anxious about what you will say. The last time Jesus told us not to be anxious was way back in chapter 6. Remember what he told us not to be anxious about there what you will eat or what you will wear. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things, food and clothing, will be added to you. And the same thing here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will give you the words to speak when you are called to give an offense for the hope that lies within you. Perhaps, though, you're wondering if maybe these warnings and promises aren't meant for us today today but they're actually just for the disciples. He said he gathered the 12 around there, and he was going to send them out into the villages and told them what actually to carry and what not to carry. So maybe it's just this short-term commissioning to them, and it doesn't apply to us. But actually, as we go forward, there's nothing else in the context here that suggests that's what happened. After we get to the end of chapter 10, we don't go into a story about how they went into the villages, In fact, there's many hints that Jesus expected this to be the life of Christians as long as it takes until he comes back. So Jesus said they would be brought before kings. But we don't see this happen until the end of the book of Acts, where Paul goes before Felix and Festus. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be in them to guide them, but we know this doesn't happen until after the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. All of these sufferings and deaths for Jesus and his disciples don't come until much later. So it seems like Acts is the beginning of the fulfillment of this, but it carries on in various waves throughout history. The destruction of Jerusalem, the fall of Rome, all kinds of times in history where persecution came heavy on the church, and we were forced to figure out, will we stay faithful? And Jesus promises that one day the Son of Man will return and finally finish the task, set all things straight, coming to the defense of his people. So we can see we are called to the same mission. Jesus is sending every one of you into the world to proclaim the coming kingdom. And how do we prepare for it other than seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? And he will give you his words. Where has God placed you in this life that His Spirit will be able to speak through you to tell of His coming kingdom? If you trip up on your words or you don't say anything in in your fear, don't be discouraged. Just seek again the kingdom and His righteousness. The more you seek Him, the more you're satisfied in Him, the more He will give you an audience to proclaim His authority. It could potentially... A fearful situation, but God will be with you by His Spirit to face these trials. Now, after hearing of these dangers, you might be thinking, why do we even need to do it this way? He says He promises us suffering. Why? Why do we have to suffer? Isn't there another way we can go about this? Can't we just all celebrate and be joyful together and life will be great and that will draw people into the kingdom? But Jesus reminds us of our role so we do not need to fear because we are following in the footsteps of our master. In verses 24 and 25, Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house to be eligible, how much more will they malign those of his household? So already we've seen in chapter 9, Jesus accused of casting out demons by the prince of demons. Satan himself, or Beelzebul, is another name for it. And these accusations will continue. We'll see a couple more times that he is accused of working for Satan. But it will actually get far worse than simple slander towards him. He is going to suffer greatly for sinners. He will be denied by his own friends handed over by his brothers, just as he predicted, to the religious and government authorities. He'll be beaten, spat upon, mocked, whipped, abandoned, hung on a cross, stabbed in the side, and laid in a tomb. But this was all for our good. There was no other way to obtain salvation for sinners. This is what we deserve in our sin so he had to suffer this in order to redeem us. And the night before he suffered, he prayed in agony to the Father, sweating drops of blood. Can't there be another way? Where are you, Father? Please find another way. But he knew that this was the only way. God's wisdom is not the world's wisdom. This is the only way he will receive the most glory and we will receive the most joy. Through death comes life. Through suffering comes greater joys. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. If we are going to be like our master, for the joy set before us, we will endure many sufferings. Because we are his disciples, his servants, he said we should expect the same. It is our role. This is the pattern of Christians throughout the Bible. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 1, be imitators of me as I am also of Christ. And he's not just saying, be nice like I am nice to others, as as I am being kind like Jesus was. But he's saying, like he did to the Colossians, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, That is, the church. It is for the good of the church for us to suffer like our master did. Peter encouraged the saints in Rome to endure suffering by saying, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. Suffering is the call of the Christian because it gives us a unique platform to proclaim his power, his authority, his sufficiency over everything in our weakness. the church father Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Suffering forces us to be less content with this world, less satisfied with the things I have in this world, and more bold in my desire for Christ to come now, please, Jesus, come back and rescue us. And to warn others boldly, He's coming soon. God, please send Him soon. Yes, it's going to be difficult. If you haven't experienced much suffering yet as a Christian, today seek the kingdom and His righteousness and prepare yourself because He promises it is coming your way. There is no other path of sanctification. There's no other path of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. Your role as an ambassador of King Jesus is to proclaim his reign before people who could possibly hurt you and to do it in circumstances where you are weak and in pain and suffering. But this is the job we signed up for when we surrendered our lives to the King who himself suffered. But this is also not a job without hope. There are many joys promised to us. And so we've seen the dangers and we know our role, but we wonder, how can we do this? How can I possibly, in my weak, frail flesh, endure to the end when life is getting so hard? It's scary to embark on this dangerous calling, but here Jesus In verses 26 to 33, provide our motivation to persevere to the end. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say it in the light, what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. After hearing of this call, this dangerous call, and its dangers, surely the disciples are thinking, I don't really want to accept this mission. I'm not sure about this. I'm quaking right now, Jesus. What do you have to help me through this? And so, three times in this section, he says, Not to be afraid. Three commands, do not be afraid, provide three motivators to endure to the end. First, God guarantees. Victory for his kingdom. What seems covered or hidden will be brought to the light. It will be made known to everyone. Whatever injustices you see in the world, whatever you feel has been a secret attack against you, God will bring it to light. This And the secret message that he hands to you, he says, proclaim it everywhere. He guarantees this mission will be successful. The gospel will go to the ends of the earth. God will accomplish it himself. The question really is are you going to be one of the faithful ones that he uses to accomplish this mission? He's not asking you if you're qualified, he's simply commanding you to trust him to work through you as he achieves it himself. The second motivator then addresses this question will you be faithful? with a warning in verse 28. Whom you fear reveals where your kingdom allegiances lie. Yes, it's a dangerous calling. It's a a fearful mission. But do you know what's more dangerous? Facing the holy God of the universe on judgment day. That is going to be a terrible and fearful day. That day it will be far too late to turn your life over to him. He will bring justice for you, to you, against your sin. Both body and soul will be in anguish forever in hell. Far worse than this light momentary affliction of suffering in this life will be the eternal suffering in hell forever. Stay faithful, my friends, even when your bodies fail, when your friends and family abandon you. When you face the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, stay faithful. Then finally, Jesus returns to a positive motivation in verses 29 to 32. It's not all scary. He says, God cares for you, He is aware of every single movement in this world. He knows if a little bird insignificant little sparrow falls from the sky and lands on the ground he knows when that happens he knows when at where every single electron is floating around every single atomic nucleus he knows where every galaxy in this universe is and people were always the point of it all the crowning achievement of it all he cares for his people he cares so much for you that he knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. Fortunately, the amount of hair on your head doesn't reveal how much he cares for you. So unlike the secret agent who is caught or killed on his mission, who will be denied by his superiors, Jesus' disciples, when they are caught or killed on his mission, will be defended by God himself in the courtroom of suffering where you proclaim your hope and your trust and your surrender to Christ, you will be welcomed by God into his caring arms. He promises he will come to your defense and one day he will make things right again. But don't forget, be warned, as verse 33 says, if you continue to put your hope in earthly comforts, if you seek first the comforts, the securities, the approvals of the people in this world. He will have no place for you in his kingdom. This is a serious, dangerous call with massive consequences for every one of our lives. Count the cost before you just dive in and say, I want to be part of this church. I want to be part of the kingdom of God. It could cost you your life, but God promises to reward those who are faithful, who face these trials, trusting him and persevering to the end. We've seen in three parts this, the dangers of this mission and our role to face them like Jesus did. And we've been given the motivation to endure to the end. And now I'll just take a couple minutes to send you away with even more confidence in God and his promises for you. Our main point today is do not fear this dangerous calling for God is with you because God is with you. He is certainly able to sustain your faith. you will endure suffering. your identity is a fellow sufferer with Christ. but God promises victory and let's focus on our last couple of minutes on that phrase God is with you and how. He will bring that victory there's a few things i'll just go back into the text to point out and show how god is orchestrating the success of his mission through you and it should embolden our witness first look at verse 16 jesus says i'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves this is a little confusing because you don't have to read too far back into chapter 9 verse 36 to see Jesus call us his sheep there. And how did he do it? He said he was had compassion on the crowds as he looked out and saw all the helpless and harassed people. He said, where is their shepherd? The Pharisees did a horrible job of protecting the sheep of Israel. And so we have this indication that Jesus is going to come and be their good shepherd. And then what does he do right after he claims to be their good shepherd? He sends his sheep into the midst of wolves. This doesn't doesn't make any sense. He felt bad for them that they were harassed and helpless, and now he's going to send them to be harassed and helpless. Unless we see this dangerous calling as the way that he is protecting us and helping us. He is making us more like himself. Because he is a good shepherd, he sends suffering to us. It's not a sign that He has abandoned us, but a sign that He is with us and He loves us. You don't come to Christ or you shouldn't come to Christ to make your life better now, but to make your life better when He acknowledges you before the Father in heaven. You engage now in the mission to enjoy that life later. Deny yourself now, He says. Take up your cross now. Follow Christ And endure suffering with the joy of the coming kingdom set before you. Knowing that you are not alone. Your shepherd will not leave you helpless. He walks with you. He empowers you. He enables you to get through this suffering. Alongside you for your good. In fact, the whole Trinitarian Godhead is on your side. This should embolden us. Look in the first section the emphasis on the spirit the spirit of the father is speaking through you in verse 20. the spirit is walking through this whole life with you and then in verse 23 we know that in the end the son of man will come and make it all right and he will rescue us and he will defend us verses 24 and 25 say the authority that you have is the authority of the son the king you can speak with confidence because Christ is right with you speaking. And then in the final section, the Son will hand you over, present you faithful before the Father to say, look, look at this one. He is so faithful. And the Father cares for you so much more than any little sparrow. Father, Son, Spirit are all working together to make you faithful. You are called to speak The Spirit will speak through you. You are called to proclaim authority. It's the Son's authority you hold. You are called to face death. And the Father will raise you to new life. The one who denies Christ before others simply reveals that Father, Son, and Spirit aren't working in His life on His behalf in the first place. So if that's you, surrender your life now to Christ and gain your confidence through the trials of this life by surrendering your life to him. This, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to face this dangerous calling because this is how God will proclaim, will display his power, his authority, his glory, his beauty, his sufficiency to the whole world. Your suffering is meaningful. It has Purpose. We don't need to fear these dangerous callings because God is with us. He leads us into these trials to give us a platform to proclaim with our mouths His excellencies, His mercy, His love, His comfort, things that this world could never give us. Yes, it's scary and it will hurt and it might haunt us for the rest of our lives. But you can, as Peter wrote, rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. In your sufferings, in this dangerous calling, God is shaping you for greater joys and comforts than this world can give. He is working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, do not fear. This dangerous calling, for God is with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for being our good shepherd who guides us into and through suffering for our good. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May we, God, have this faith to endure the trials and sufferings that you will bring our way, that you have called us to face, so that in us Christ may be seen as the most satisfying thing, this more satisfying than anything this life can offer. Amen.